See you later, Miriam. Come by later and we'll share bread. Oh, hi, hello. I didn't see you there. You must be travelers. Are you thirsty? Well, if you are, I'll gladly draw some water for you to drink. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just saying that reminds me of another time when I met a stranger here at the well. I usually come here every day, but never while the other women of the village was around. You see, they will have nothing to do with me, and um, it was just easier if I came alone. But that day, when I found that stranger sitting here at the well, he seemed so tired, and uh, he asked me if I could draw some water for him to drink. Well, I was surprised for lots of reasons. He was a Jew. And trust me when I say, the Jews treated us Samaritans no better than dogs. And... Um, for that matter, why would a man talk to me and ask me for only water? So I asked him, why do you ask me for something to drink? And then he said, if you knew who I am, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. Yeah, <laughs> right, living water? <laughs> it was obvious he wanted to talk. I have no idea why, but I was never one to shy away from a good argument. He was a Jew. Surely he wouldn't claim to have water greater than that of Jacob, who dug the very well we were sitting at. And then he said, Whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. Well, he got my attention. I wanted that kind of water. You see, I was just sick and tired of coming to this well. Oh, mind you, it was not the walk that I mind or the work of drawing the water that bothered me. It was the ugly stares and the comments that reached my ear. It made my visit here at this well sheer misery. I covered it up. I acted as if I didn't care, but I did. You probably know what happened next. He told me to go call my husband. Hmm, yeah. Now we're getting to it. All this conversation so that he could know my situation. Well, I told him I didn't have a husband. And then he began to tell me all about myself. The husbands that I've had. The man that I was living with. It scared me. He knew everything. I felt as though he can see right through me. Well, I immediately changed the topic. I started the ancient old argument about where is the best place to visit. Worship. Jerusalem or Mount Gerizim. You know, Jews just love to argue about things like that. But instead of saying that Jews are right, and Samaritans are wrong, was what I fully expected him to say. He acted as though he had a much better answer than either of the choice I gave him. He said, the day will come when true worshipers 
will worship the Father elsewhere. He said that God wanted worshipers that would worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, I begin to get the feeling that he meant that God wanted worship that was done according to his command, but much more than ceremony and rituals. Well, I had the hardest time wrapping my mind around that. And so I said, sir, I know Messiah is coming. And when he does, he'll explain all this to us. And then, you know what the stranger said? He said, I am he. I am the one you're talking about. Whoa, for the life of me, I can't begin to explain the feeling that came over me. Maybe you've had that feeling at some point or the other. But I believe him. I can't tell you exactly why. Um, maybe it was the way he told me all about myself and yet he did it without condemning me. Or maybe it was how he spoke with me and made me felt that I was worth something. And then again, maybe it was because he spoke truth. And one thing about the truth, when you come face to face with it, it's just unmistakable and irresistible. Well, whatever it was, I only know this. My conversation with Jesus that day changed my life forever.
Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? I, I'm Zacchaeus, your local tax collector. Uh, I, I, guess, I guess you guys already know my reputation. Um, oh, I, I can't blame you for not wanting to shake my hand. <sighs> but I have some good news. If I've collected taxes from you at any time, congratulations, you are due a refund. Yeah. Now, if you would, please. Let me check my list here. If you give me your name, and I'll check and see if you're on here. Oh, oh, you're kind of surprised that a tax collector wants to give away money instead of taking it. Well, I've taken plenty in my time. I pretty much took as much as I possibly could get away with. But that was before the morning I met Jesus. You see that tree back there? That's where it all began. Oh, well, you probably already know this, but I'm short. Everyone in town knows I'm short. And often enough, everyone makes fun of me and says, Hey, Zacchaeus, I have bugs in my house bigger than you. Or, Hey, little man, I didn't see you standing there. I almost stepped on you. I'll tell you, I hated the jokes. But I'll tell you, for being a liar and a cheat, that was my choice. I tell you, the the ridicule didn't help any, though. I heard about Jesus, how he took a blind man from birth could see, and a deaf man could hear, and even a cripple could walk. I haven't heard about him making a short man taller, but I could dream, couldn't I? Anyway, when I heard about the buzz about him coming to town, I wanted to see him myself. As usual, everyone just shoved right in front of me. I couldn't see a thing. See that tree back there? Well, I ran ahead of the crowd. I scrambled up there as fast as I possibly could to get a good look. Sure enough, here he came. I could hear people calling his name. They wanted to touch him. They wanted to see who he was. They wanted to know him. But as he crossed under the branch I was sitting on, he suddenly stopped. He spread his arms out. And all of a sudden, he looked up. He locked his eyes on me. He called my name. He says, Zacchaeus, come down from out of that tree. I'm going to have dinner at your house. (laughs) Oh, my God, gee willikers. It's like, you know, how could that be? But as I slowly climbed down, as he waited for me, it was, it was crazy, but I'm thinking, how, how much this dinner is going to cost me for him and his friends? But to be singled out in a good way? I really didn't care. Oh, oh man. Here was a man that everyone was talking about. He wanted to come to my house. Little old man Zacchaeus's, The good-for-nothing cheating tax collector. Oh. As I started to walk... People couldn't believe there was, there was, he was walking with me. I could hear the whispers in the background and how people were shocked. But Jesus acted like he wanted to be my friend. Oh, he made me, over the dinner, he made me feel so important. Not because I could force people to pay taxes. No, he wanted to spend time with me. He, want, he cared for me. I can't tell you exactly what he said that made the difference. 
It's just the way he said it. He wanted to be my friend. Wanted me to be his friend. When you've been an outcast as long as I have been, that kind of offer is irresistible. But before I knew it, I was making promises that I would give half of everything I owe to the poor. And even the people I cheated, I vowed to pay them back four times the amount I stole from them. I have to tell you, it's kind of crazy, but I've never been happier. Oh, I hated to see Jesus leave. I wanted to spend time with him. He told me he was on his way to Jerusalem. There was a lot more people just like me that he needed to heal. If Jerusalem's anything like Jericho, I know the crowds have been waiting. Oh, how I wish I could be there to see the difference he was going to make in their lives.
I'm so glad you guys are here this morning. We've approached this day with such great anticipation. You see, we've been waiting our turn to tell you our stories, just like others before us. I could hardly sleep last night, thinking about the best way to describe to you the change in my life. I am not sure I have the words, but I hope God will be able to use something that I say to reach your heart. Maybe I didn't know, my, know Jesus like my friends here, but I will tell you what I've seen and experienced. I think it's important. You see, they watched him live. I watched him die. Well, in truth, I helped put him to death. We all did that. It was the sins of all of us that took Jesus to the cross on that dark day. I was one of his followers, but I'm, I'm sorry to say that until his death, I followed in secret. See, I was a Pharisee. I believed the word. I treasured it. I studied it. I even lived by it. I, mean, I don't know why I didn't recognize the word when he first appeared. Maybe it was because his message was so different from what us Pharisees expected. We expected that when the, he first appeared, when the Messiah first appeared, that he would honor us for upholding to the law so religiously. I can tell you, I certainly never expected Jesus to care about me at all. If anything, I would have thought he would judge me and condemn me. My life I tell you, my life was a hideous mess. Voices in my head, uncontrollable urges and feelings that made me act in ways that frightened other people, and it disgusted me. I hated my life, but I didn't have the sense or the strength to do anything to make it better. I was used to dealing with the Jews. I had power over them. I commanded a hundred men and we treated the Jews any way we wanted to. I expected that if anyone would have cowered before me, it would have been Jesus. He was about to die. And I had the power to make his death even worse. I expected fear when I looked into his face. I expected hatred. But what I saw was peace and commitment, and compassion. I went to Jesus secretly one night. I had planned all these questions carefully, just so I could see and reveal to me just who he was. You know, I don't think I got to ask one single question that night. Jesus controlled the conversation the whole time. You know, he said, if I wanted to see the kingdom of God, I would have to be born again. Born again? How is that even possible? I was a grown man. The day I met him, Jesus spoke. And in one terrifying moment, the demons that had controlled me and ruined me, they came out of me. Suddenly, I could see. I could speak clearly. I could feel and respond the way normal people do. I looked at Jesus and I loved him so much. He saved my life. 
I knew I would follow him and do anything he asked. I would spend every day trying to do everything I could to show my gratitude and devotion. I saw him at the trial. Well, he was a member of the ruling council. You know, I've often wondered, if only I would have been bolder, if only I would have stood up, would it have came to the crucifixion? I saw her at the hill. I couldn't believe what was happening to him. How could they do this to him? He was so good, so kind. How could they, how could they crucify him? When it was clear that he was going to die, my friend, Joseph of Arimathea, came to me. He said he could remain secret no longer. So he was going to ask for the body and put it in his own tomb. Would I go with him? I said I would. I had six hours to watch him. Six hours of agony. Some people in the crowd taunted him, shouting, You saved others, Jesus! Now save yourself! His mother was there. I wanted to reach out to her and comfort her. But I was so overcome by my own grief. John was there with her, though, and I knew Jesus had asked John to care for her. It was so like him. He thought of others right to the end. Most people just sat there and watched. It's a gruesome thought, isn't it? I had to be there. It was my job. And although I was hardened to it because I had seen many die, many people came that day just for the entertainment of it all. They offered him gall to drink, to dull his senses, but he refused. I could see him growing weaker, but then he found the strength to shove against the spike through his feet, and he lifted himself, and he cried, My God, why have you forsaken me? I was close enough to hear the thief on his right speak to him. In fact, he promised one of them that he would be in paradise with him that very same day. The sky grew dark over the hills and over the city, as dark as midnight, even though it was just the middle of the day. He cried out again, It is finished. He exhaled and slumped. I knew he was dead, but I had one of my men spear his side just to be certain. Suddenly... The veil of the Holy of Holies, it ripped in half from top to bottom. And, and all of a sudden, the place that no one ever saw was laid bare. The ground beneath the cross was covered with his precious blood. I was terrified, and I had seen many horrible things in my lifetime. I had just crucified a righteous man. I knew it. I had just put to death an innocent man. I had just crucified the Son of God. I remember the first conversation we had years ago when he said to me, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I didn't understand it still. All I knew is that I believed that he was the Son of God and that his life and especially his death could somehow mean life for me. He was
walked a road I couldn't understand. He turned his back on wealth and fame, gave up a throne to follow love's command. And I'm amazed to know the reason Jesus came because someone had to die so we could live and we needed something only he could give it was his
I remember, Joseph and I put him in the tomb. The other women and I followed and watched where they laid him. I was given orders to post a guard to make sure no one took the body. We sealed the tomb with a heavy stone. Sabbath was beginning, so we returned to the city. I thought I had known Greece before, but I had never experienced such despair as that night and the following day. The Sabbath passed quietly, just as I anticipated it would. The other women and I rose early on the following day. We had already prepared more spices, and we hurried with them in the half-light of morning, wondering how we would move the stone from the door of the tomb. I wasn't there, but my men told me that the ground quaked, and they were all knocked unconscious. When we got there, the soldiers were gone. The stone was rolled away. There were two angels there. One said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And the other added, Jesus isn't here. He is risen just like he said. Have you heard? Have you heard? Jesus isn't dead. He's alive. I heard in Jericho that very day, it spread like wildfire, that Jesus had died. But Peter and John they actually went to the tomb, and they examined it. He wasn't there. The news got around Samaria so quickly. Jesus is alive. Mary Magdalene had seen him, spoke of him. She even touched him. At first, I thought the body had been moved, and I was overcome with sorrow. But when he said my name, I recognized that voice immediately. I threw myself at his feet as deep as my despair had been, and now my joy is even greater. Hallelujah. We were commanded to tell this story. We were to say that his disciples had stolen the body at night. But what fool was going to believe that? If my men had gone to sleep on the job, they would have done so under the penalty of death. And if the disciples knew it was a hoax, well, come on. Nobody could fake the joy they were walking around with. He was alive, and I had another chance. I would never be a secret follower again. I would spend the rest of my life telling everyone about the good news that Jesus is alive. He rose from the grave, like he said. He's alive. He's alive forever. And he lives today. Let the children sing a song of liberation. The God of our salvation set us free. Let words I sing. The curse of sin is broken. The attitude of the way
Easter is known as what we call in the church, the Super Bowl Sunday. And you see, a lot of times when we think of Super Bowl Sunday, we get excited. We cheer for our team, we get excited. But guess what? We can only celebrate the Super Bowl one day, but Jesus is alive every day of our lives. And you see, too many times, we only celebrate his resurrection this one day. You see, we get excited and we think, oh, this is Super Bowl Sunday of the church. So let's get excited. Let's cheer for our team. But guess what? We have a hope that we can cheer all the time. Even if our team doesn't make the Super Bowl because we know that the king who we serve, he is risen. He's alive for us every day of our lives. You see, they showed us just how great our Lord is. And this morning, you might be here this morning, you have never experienced what Easter is about. And you may be saying to yourself, you know what? I've messed up, Nicholas. I messed up in my life. What would Jesus want with me? Well, we were shown this morning that it doesn't matter if you messed up. Here it is. Jesus, the woman at the well, used a woman who said she had five husbands. And the one that she was living with wasn't even a husband. But Jesus wanted to use her. Jesus even said that one day there will be true worshipers. Are you a true worshiper this morning? Are you being true to God? Are you a worshiper that worships him all the time? In spirit and in truth? Then we have Zacchaeus. Oh, what a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree. And we know the song. But here it is, a tax collector. Someone who we would never thought stole from the people. But out of all the people in that crowd that day, Jesus seeked after him. 
and said, I have come to seek and save the lost. That's what I've come to do. I've come to save the people of this world. Again, we see Nicodemus. Nicodemus, even in this, this play, says, I'm a secret follower. The question this morning is this. Are you a secret follower? Are you a person that follows him in secret that you don't want anybody to know? But you try to spend a little bit of time. You know, sometimes, especially I know uh, when in the workplace or at school, you know, it's time to pray for the food and we try to play like we, you know, we don't want no one to know we're praying for our food or we don't even want people to know we're acknowledging God. We try to make it look like, you know, we're scratching our forehead or something like that. You see, God doesn't want us to be ashamed of him. He wants us to understand that, look, I died for you. But guess what? I didn't stay dead. I am alive and well today. You worship a risen king. You worship a risen savior. I am on your side. I am your hope. It doesn't matter what people say about you. Because I am alive in you. You see, too many times I think we want to be the secret follower. Too, too many times for those who don't know Christ, say we think, well, God wouldn't want nothing to do with me. And we've seen that. God wants you. God wants to have a relationship with you. The question is, this morning is this. Are you willing to surrender your life to him? Are you willing to say, yes, Lord, I want you to do a good work in me. I want to call you my Savior. I want you to call you my Lord. And this morning, if you have never placed your faith and trust in Christ, I would challenge you to come and talk to me or one of the elders after the service. We'll be to the front. And we could tell you more about this great gift that the Lord has given us. As we think of this death and resurrection, we need to recognize again that he is alive every day of our lives. And for this morning, for us who call ourselves believers, we need to recognize this, that we haven't arrived. We haven't made it to the plateau. We haven't made it to the top where God wants us to. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 4, tells us, and this is just a message, and Paul is saying, look, this is the most important message that I can give you. And it says this, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you, which you received and which you stand, and by which you are being saved. Let me just tell you this. He makes it very clear to recognize that, look, this morning, we haven't just been saved and that's it. It's not about just a fire insurance to say we're not going to hell. But we are continuing to be saved. It's a continuing process that we are to be sanctified and be set apart in this world. It's talking about this present time. We are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. You see, he says, hold fast to the truth. Hold on to the word. And this is the word that he delivered. And this is the simple message, but I think sometimes we forget it. Because I think sometimes we want to put Jesus back on the cross and leave him there. But it says this in verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, in accordance with the Scriptures. But we know that just like we celebrate on Easter, we know that God did not stay on that cross because the religion and Christianity that we have and the Savior that we have is alive today. And it says in verse 4 that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day accordance with the Scriptures. You see, God 
Jesus didn't stay dead. He arose. He is alive forever. Amen. That's the king we serve. That's the king, whether this morning you know him as Savior, if you know him as your Savior this morning, that's the king you serve. That's the king that we have the opportunity to do life with every day. No matter what people may sing, focus on him. And know that we have the risen king on our side. Again, this morning, if you don't have that hope, please, see one of the elders, see myself. Because right now, if you don't have that hope, you're living a wasted life. You have no hope. You are dead. And you're trespassing the sin. And the Bible is very clear to say, for all of us have sinned and come short of God's glory. All of us. Whether you've been to church 50 years, 20 years, 10 years, if you never place faith in Christ, you are living in sin. You are dead in your sin. But Romans 5 eight gives us that assurance. But God commanded his love toward us that while we were still sinners, and it, said not, it didn't say to get things right, but no, while you were still sinners, Christ died for us. What love. What love that we have this morning. What a Savior that we have this morning. That would die for us even while we were his enemies. We wanted nothing to do with him. Nothing. And I would challenge you, if you think that you are better than somebody, read Romans chapter 3. As it shows us what man truly is. For there's none righteous, no, not one. There's no man that seeks after God. You see, God wanted us. He wanted to have a relationship with us. That's why he sent his son to die for us, to make the ransom paid for us. He made the payment. Are you going to accept the free gift? Do you recognize that he did it all? There's nothing that we can do. The payment's been paid. And he is alive and well today. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you again for your love. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Father, again that you are a risen king. That we could say this morning that we have hope because of you. Nothing that we did, Father, but you paid it all. All to Jesus, I surrender. Because, Father, this is all that we can give is ourselves. There's nothing else to give because you paid it all. And, Father, I just pray and thank you for this, just this morning, Father, as we can remember. And I pray, Father, that we would not leave here, Father, just examining our hearts whether we have a relationship with you or not. Because, Father, I think that we all need a reminder to know that this isn't just a one Sunday that we celebrate you being alive, because you are alive every day of our lives. And I pray that we would have hope, that we would recognize this morning again that you are our hope, and you only we could find hope in you. We thank you and we praise you for all that you have done. And Father, we pray that you will continue to be on this servant and you would get all the honor, glory, and praise. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand with us as we sing our closing song? The Lord is in our midst, a mighty warrior. He's mighty to save.
Bible is clear that he is able to save to the utmost all who would come to God by him. So if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, he is able to save you. Everyone needs, everyone needs the passion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of the
our Lord Jesus.